Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. In Alex Neville's new documentary film, Equinology. We follow the travels of two artists enthralled by the uncanny lure of locomotion set out on a journey across America. Andrew Cross chases freight trains through the Black Rock Desert in Nevada in pursuit of the perfect landscape shot. McNair Evans travels on an Amtrak train from San Francisco to Portland, sharing stories and making portraits with fellow travelers. Desolate carriages take on an otherworldly presence and time loses its grasp in this study of photographers in motion, capturing slow travel in today's increasingly fast-paced society. Again, the film is called Pharaoh Equinology, and we're joined today by the director of this documentary film, Alex Neville. Alex, welcome to Film School Radio. Hi there. Thank you for having me. Thoroughly enjoyed the film. A very um, meditative, very kind of Put you in another space in terms of when you're watching this film, you feel like you're you for a lot of reasons, which we'll get into, you feel like you're really being immersed into a particular kind of a way of life that has become more and more difficult to to achieve. And uh, two very interesting characters. Uh, how did you come upon this uh, project? Um, that's a great question, and, and thank you for um, introducing it in your in the very kind way that you you have. I think for me, this film is a continuation of the previous filmmaking that I've done as a director, which kind of explores people or places who are, for one reason or another, kind of existing on the margins of society. Whether that's very literally in a physical sense by you know being on a remote peninsula where they um, live, or in a more kind of cultural sense, being perhaps overlooked in terms of mainstream media or in terms of their occupations. And so I was kind of exploring topics that fit that brief and traveling via train to my hometown in the south of England and noticed these group of railway enthusiasts there with cameras and binoculars who were kind of standing around waiting for I think a specific train to arrive that they wanted to see or to to capture an, an image of. And um, that got me thinking about this kind of, you know, moment of waiting and the space that these people presumably in their obsessive way had in terms of their hobby, essentially. And I thought that might be an interesting thing to explore and to talk to them about and to kind of interrogate a little bit why these people were stood there waiting for hours for for trains. Um, So the starting point was really, like I said, looking for people who... Uh, and wanting to work with and tell stories with people who exist in some way on the margins of society and um, train spotters or railway enthusiasts, particularly in the UK, have often been derided by, I think, mainstream media. And so I thought maybe there was another angle or another take that a film could have. And as I started exploring it, I really began to realise that these people were, you know, this subculture of railway enthusiasm and particularly photography was a lot more intricate and detailed and creative than I'd initially expected, really. How did you meet Alex Cross and McNair Evans? Um, So Andrew Cross and McNair Evans were two people who came up in my my research, really, as I started looking into artworks, photographic artwork around the railroads. Andrew had had an exhibition at the National Railway Museum in the UK, which 
I came upon quite early in the project. And so I, I reached out to him and um, started a conversation, which eventually led to him inviting me to film a trip that he was taking up in New York State for a little while, uh, which isn't featured in the film, but then kind of grew later on into the road trip that is featured in the final documentary. And McNair, was he, he's based in San Francisco, where I was living at the time I was making this film. And um, I saw some of his photography exhibited locally, became interested in his work and felt there was this kind of strong parallel with Andrew's work uh, as well, which kind of, you know, gave the the kind of structure of the piece, you know, being a portrait of these two individuals. Um, and that was whittled down from a much larger range of people I'd interviewed uh, about railroad photography, uh, people who I'd filmed with who didn't quite make the cut for various reasons in the, in the end documentary. So it was a kind of process of casting almost to get to the point where Andrew and McNair were the main characters. They're very different, but they're similar in kind of the, this, um, artistic vision of the world in terms of documenting it in relation to trains. But one is Andrew is about the train and McNair Evans is about the trains and the culture and the people who are make up that part of our society. Is that a fair way to put it? Or it's it's quite straightforward in a way, you know, McNair is the portrait photographer out of the two and Andrew is the landscape photographer. Um, and I think Andrew's practice as an artist is is really interested in infrastructure and, and landscape and his own relationships to these types of machines, whether that's railroads in the case of the project you see him working on in the film, or if it's agricultural you know, machinery like tractors or combine harvesters, you know, plowing fields in the UK. He's interested in the traces of this machinery in the landscape. So he's not always photographing the trains themselves, although he is passionate about particular locomotives and he does in some ways fit the bill of a, a railroad enthusiast. Whereas, as you mentioned, McNair is obviously much more interested in the kind of people and these shared stories and journeys that, you know, long distance rail travel in the US sort of leads to. I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with Alex Neville. He is the director of a documentary film called Pharaoh Equinology. It will be premiering at the Slam Dance Film Festival. Its premiere will be Friday, January 21st. It is a Slam Dance is a virtual film festival, unfortunately, because of COVID. But uh, nonetheless, it's a terrific film festival. I've actually, as I mentioned to you before we started, I've been to Slam Dance and had a great time there. And I assume that some of the same sensibilities of my experience will carry over into the virtual um, realm in terms of the access to filmmakers, the ability of the audience to be able to kind of be a part of that experience. I hope, I certainly hope that'll be a part of it for you as well. I want to go back to something that's so basic and, and it's, I mean, it's basic in terms of our experience and our relationship with the Iron Horse, which is what Pharaoh equinology is a is a reference to that is actually the technical term, the iron horse, the train. There is something about it. It's transformative in terms of our society and in terms of our culture and so many other ways. The invention of and the the relationship to the growth of industrial society all over the world. And it's there's something subconscious about our relationship to trains, the impact that they have in watching them as they move through space. Is that a, a fair way to put it? I'm not sure. If... 
Yeah, I think, you know, the, for me, the relationship between railroads and photography um, is a really interesting history to, to look at. And certainly when I was thinking about making the film in the development process, you know, coming from a slightly academic background, someone who works in a university and teaches filmmaking and, and film studies, I was drawn to these kind of studies of the two technologies and how they developed and how in many ways they were kind of intertwined. And so I think that was something that was perhaps a little bit subconsciously in some way there in the back of my mind whilst whilst working on the film. It really did take a transformation from these slightly more removed academic perspectives on photography and, and railroads towards being a lot more about two characters um, who we've just spoken about. But, you know, I read some fantastic books on cinema and the railways, both of which uh, are sort of symbols of modernity, both of which reconfigured the way that the public experienced space and the way that we understood the regulation of time when they were, you know, moving into um, being widely available for people. So that was all kind of great um, context, I think, that uh, spurred me on to, to kind of make the project. When I was growing up and there was a reference to the very beginning of cinema, often in these classes, in these film studies classes, the film that would be shown as the first example of a of film, as we know it in a modern context, was The Great Train Robbery. So it's in that relationship to cinema. Again, there's something emotive about seeing a train travel through, through, time, through space, as you see it, as you hear it, as you feel it, there's the experience of being around trains. Is there something emotional about watching and being in a train as well? Yeah, and I think a lot of people um, have that experience and, and would share that point of view maybe. Um, you know, the, in some ways, the experience of being on a train is comparable to watching a film. You know, you have the window which frames a viewpoint on a landscape and a, a kind of changing perspective you're sat there with other captive individuals for a set amount of time usually um, and there's certainly parallels I think uh, between railways and, and cinema and it can be you know I think a lot of people would say maybe as you have that railroads can be quite emotional in terms of their um I don't know. I'm, I'm also, I'm struggling with that answer as well, to be honest. I think I, well, there's it's, something that's, it's sort of sensory about being around a train. As I said, the sound, the feel, the, the vibration of the ground as it goes by and the power. I mean, you can't help but sense this tremendous power that is in your presence as it goes by. McNair's work in this documentary is around the long distance railroads in the US and certainly because of the, you know, the vastness of, of that country and because of the um, railroad infrastructure there, I think that experience that you've described a little bit is, is common to people who are taking Amtrak trains across the US as well. You know, it's um, certainly for me when I was um, living over there, it was one of the things that was interesting about the railroads that distinguished them from, you know, the journeys that I'd had over here in the UK. It's unusual to spend a, a night on a train here whereas if you're taking Amtrak over there in the US it's definitely a, a quite a common occurrence and there is that shared kind of communal experience of the train car on one of those long distance journeys you know when we were filming uh, McNair's part of the documentary 
obviously we'd be you know interacting with people around us not only those who've made it into the film but other people who you know might not have wanted to be filmed which is something obviously as a filmmaker you respect and you know understand and isn't you're not always going to be able to work with everyone that you meet but yet we still had that kind of onward journey with those people and so there was still a sense of a relationship even if they aren't in the project in the same way as the people who we we did film and who McNair did photograph after the parts that you see in the film there was also a kind of continuation where we might speak to them the next day or you know a few hours later so it's a really kind of interesting communal you're all together in that space for quite a while on some of those journeys there is something our connection to them and the the fact that we've referred to them as iron horses that was the the nickname given to them is another thing another relationship we have that has had a tremendous impact on, on, on our culture and on our civilization. So there's a lot here. It's a really uh, terrific film of feral equinology. And again, it will be screening virtually at the Slamdance Film Festival. And you can go to slamdance.com to find out more about the film festival, as well as how you can watch feral equinology. Slamdance is not something that just happens for these few days in Park City. They have events all year round so you should be looking for them as well as supporting the people who make it happen. Is this the world premiere for the film or have you? Um... This is the North American premiere. It was shown in uh, the Chichester Film Festival here in the UK in, in summer, which was the, the first public screening of it. What was the reaction? Good. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've been really pleased with how the film has been received so far. Um, it was a, you know, Chichester is a, a much smaller festival than, than Slamdance. So um, the, the crowd wasn't of the scale that I'm hoping Slamdance might attract, um, being a, a much kind of more well-known event. Um, so it's hard to say really at this point, but certainly having it selected for the festival is fantastic. And I'm really pleased that it's getting out there and, and keen to have more conversations around it, really. I did fail to mention it's in black and white. And... I love the look. I love the way that it, yeah, it, in some ways it draws you in to the film and draws you into the experience of the film. It also reminded me a lot of, uh, especially Andrew Cross's section of the film. It really reminded me of Paris, Texas, the film, Wim Wenders film, in that relationship of people to the landscape, to the world around them. And even to some degree, um, McNair Evans part. I mean, the whole film has that kind of vibe to it. It's a, it's about relationships. It's, it's the visual. It's also the emotional part of the film for me. And um, so I thought it was, uh, I hope that's a fair comparison, but I just had the look, the look and the feel and the pace of, uh, of uh, Paris, Texas for me was a reference, but. Um, wow. Well, thank you so much. I mean, that's high praise in my books. I love Paris, Texas. So um yeah, and I think certainly what we were trying to do when we were editing the film and something that I was uh, sort of thinking about during the shoot as well was the kind of slowing down that train travel involves and trying to capture that process of waiting, really, whether it's uh, waiting during your journey and having those kind of taking the time to have those conversations with people on a train trip or whether it's in Andrew Cross's case, uh, slowing down and, and experiencing the environments and the, uh, like I said, those kind of infrastructure spaces around railroads that he's interested in. So a lot of the film 
in a way it is actually about that sense of slowness and slow travel, I guess. Yeah. And especially for McNair Evans uh, part where we're hearing people's stories. And one of the experiences of, for me of, of Paris, Texas was the, those quiet stories of people's lives, regular people's lives and what they go through and the daily experience in a, in, in a hard scrabble kind of environment. And um, so, uh, well, congratulations to you, Alex Neville, for your work and um, congratulations on Slamdance and, and hope you'll join us again with, uh, when the time comes with a new work. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It's been great to talk to you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Thank you.